now I had a stepmom who was childless. And I always thought to myself, okay, I only want one. What would it be like if I lost him? I would not have any kids growing up. Yo, what's going on, guys? Welcome to a podcast. Not only is this a podcast, but it's our journey. A journey that we hope you want to ride out with us as we intend to educate you guys, inspire, talk about past and current experiences, and to make one think to stop judging others, most importantly, stop judging yourself based on others' views and perceptions. With that said, you'll be hearing from me, myself, Austin Kirshner, but along with our journey on this podcast will be my mother, Kathy Kirshner, and my brother, Dylan Kirshner. With that said, welcome to Silencing of Stigma. We're going back to the roots. Yo, what's going on, guys? Welcome back to a new episode of the Silencing of Stigma podcast. I am one of your hosts, Austin. We have a special guest today. And that would be uh, Kathy Kirshner. How's it going? It's going. As you guys would know, she is also a host. And we decided to do an episode on her and give you guys a little bit more of a, a backstory of her life, how she lived her life, her her stigmas that she's had and overcame growing up and kind of how she got into, um, I guess what I'm trying to say is how we got this podcast started and where it kind of evolved from. So you guys will know her as my mom as well, not just only Kathy Kirshner. So what's going on? Okay, so let's just get started. I'll start out with my family. I, grew- uh, I got a couple questions for you real quick. What's your favorite color? Yellow. How old are you? <laughs> 52. Favorite food? Cake. What about, uh, what's your favorite shape? Circle. Why a circle? Because it it shows unity. Okay. I think that's it for right now. Okay, well, let's get started. So I grew up with two sisters. I have an older sister and a younger sister. Uh, My mom and my dad. My mom and dad were divorced when I was young. And I can tell you that I did. What age do you think? I can't remember. I think I was was around nine years old. So as I tell this story, I probably should have somebody here, my sister, um, to help me because... I forget a lot of what happened when I was a child. There's vivid memories. So I don't ever remember my dad living with us. He obviously lived with us and I was probably around nine or 10 when they were divorced. But I don't remember exactly when and I don't remember ever in a situation, being in a situation where my dad was living in the house. So I would say probably around the age of nine, they got divorced. I remember every Thursday, my dad came over, paid the bills, gave my mom money. So we grew up with that stigma. Our parents were divorced. I Explain that stigma. Well, people look at stigma of divorce like, oh, you're divorced, like you're a failure or... So like some of the things I would think about when I would hear like some of my friends, their parents were divorced... I saw a different attitude or their personality would be like, 
almost like carefree, you know what I mean? Like there was nothing, they wouldn't really care about anything as far as what they did or how they acted. It was just. Your was, friend or their parents the, acted the, that way. The friends, like the, the people that had divorced parents or guardians or whatever you want to call them. So to me, that was a, that was a stigma that I created. Like, I guess that's how I created it. You know what I mean? Right. Well, people look at, I mean, not so much today because more people are divorced, but back earlier it was always like, oh, your parents are divorced or... Because of the generation. Right. So nowadays it's more acceptable. And actually nowadays more people my age are getting divorced. But back in the day it was not a good thing if you were divorced. You were embarrassed to say you were divorced. And especially in my house, because we were raised Catholic. And so Catholics believe that you take a vow and it's till death do you part. So there's stigma around that. So people that are religious look at people that are going through a divorce and think that that's not acceptable. Like you married that person and you're supposed to spend the rest of your life with them, life with them better or worse. So everyone has their opinions on that and there's still stigma around that today. So I was a child of a divorced family. What else does that mean? That means, for example, we didn't have a car. So my mom didn't work when my dad first divorced her. So my dad would come on Thursdays, pay the bills. He would take us to the grocery store. We would come home. And if we wanted to go anywhere, it was left up to one of us to give dad a call to see if he could come and take us where we wanted to go. In that whole realm, I was the only one that really talked to my dad. My sisters were closer to my mother, and so I spent a lot of time in my bedroom because I would ask to see my dad, and he would come and pick me up, and then I would remember coming home and my mom being angry that I spent time with my dad. She felt like he didn't deserve his kids because he never invited us anywhere I always had to make that initial call to him. So there was always that stigma. At the age of 14, I had to get a job. We went to Catholic school, and there's a tuition fee that you have to pay to Catholic school. And my dad couldn't do it. My mom couldn't do it. And so we graciously asked for what you call a grant or some type of scholarship for hardship. And my sisters and myself got jobs at an early age so we could pay for our own tuition so we could continue to go to your Catholic. So we started early at 14 because of that. You have the stigma of people using food stamps. So we experienced that. When my dad finally divorced my mom, we qualified for food stamps. And so mom would go to the grocery store, and we remember we would go to the grocery store before food stamps, it was we each got to pick one little pack of Little Debbies that were our own. That was our snack for the entire week. And we what is that? The... That's those little, <laughs> those little cake snack cakes. Oh, like a, a Twinkie almost. Like a Swiss roll yeah, or something nice. like that. There's honey buns. So literally we would get to pick one pack out. We would put our name on it. And that pack had to last us for the entire week. We had grilled cheese sandwiches. We made really simple cheap meals to eat and then all of a sudden we were qualified for food stamps so all of a sudden mom has money not money but we could go and actually get real food to eat and I remember going to the grocery store and we would fill the grocery cart with food 
And then we would walk away because we didn't want to stand at the register with my mom when she paid for the food stamps. Because of the stigma. <laughs> because of stigma. Because we were embarrassed. embarrassed. We were embarrassed in school. We had the free lunch program. So you got this little token that you handed in at the lunch line <laughs> that knew. Everybody knew, oh, you she had a free lunch. So we grew up with that. So I never really had anything growing up. But I was appreciative. I mean, I played basketball and I did sports and... We roller skated outside and we rode our bikes and we did the best that we could. But there was always that stigma around a divorced family, the food stamps. And you're talking a generation back before there was social media, there was phones or anything like that. That's Computer, correct. Computers probably just started coming about. Um, computers, I was still using a typewriter in my senior year. So computers probably came like one or two years after I graduated from high school. So I always wondered... You would always, how would you talk to your friends? We would talk on the rotary telephone that we had in our house. So back in the day, everybody had rotary phones. Some people still have them today, but most not. And you would sit on the phone and you had to be home to answer it. And you would communicate that way. But as a child growing up, we had friends in the neighborhood. So we were always outside playing. Like we would roller skate and we would lemon twist and we would hula hoop. And so we did all that. We didn't have the social media. We didn't, we didn't even have cable. I can remember we had this wire that we would roll up with tinfoil and hang it off of our TV because we couldn't afford cable. And depending on where you moved in the room, you would get TV or not. Kind of like the antenna that people use today without cable. Yeah. But literally, this would be a wire, and every once in a while, we'd get lucky, and we'd get HBO. So we had nothing special. Like, we grew up, there was stigma behind that. My older sister, she had, you know, you go to your Catholic, and where do you, what do you see at your Catholic? What's the stigma around your Catholic? The rich people go to the Catholic school. So when you invited people over, you didn't invite them to our house because we lived in the city, our toilet was falling through our kitchen ceiling like we didn't have anything. So me, I didn't care. To this day, I didn't. I don't care about stuff like that. I don't look at that. But there's stigma there. My older sister struggled with why that do you stigma. Think, why do you think you're like that? Why do you think you, you just never cared? I've always been carefree. And I spent a lot of time in my bedroom. Uh, I played Barbies and baby dolls all by, the time. By yourself? By myself. My sisters would go out, and Michelle, my little sister, was young, and she would read books to my mom. Like, she was very close to my mom. My mom would take her to the college because we lived near your college. And Why were you closer to your dad and, than your mom? I wasn't necessarily closer to my dad because I didn't really have that relationship with him at the beginning. I just always would reach out like he was my dad. I was interested. He was a volunteer fireman. I thought it was cool to get in his car and turn the flashers on and go to the fires. I didn't really know my dad that much. And so he would come to our basketball games, and I remember he would say, yep, that's my girls. And my sisters and mom would get upset because he would praise us when we were playing basketball and people were cheering for us. But that's the only time we would see him. And as I grew older, I started to understand my dad a little bit more. And we'll get into that later, um, how my relationship evolved with my mom and my dad. 
But at that young age, all that stigma. Stigma of food stamps. Stigma of divorced parents. Stigma of not having money and going to York Catholic. My older sister was very embarrassed by but the family. None of, the, none of that. You said none of that phased you. But then again, you you were in the grocery store not going to the the checkout because you were <laughs> you had a mountain filled <laughs> grocery cart and you were scared to go up there. So yeah, you did. I guess so. Yeah, I was embarrassed by that. But today, when I see people that are using food stamps or the access card, whatever it is today, it makes you laugh. I don't. I do not because it takes you back to that. Yeah, time. it takes me back, and I don't sit there and think, "Oh gosh, they must not work. They're lazy or anything like that." Because I know in our case, we weren't taking advantage of the system. My mom ended up getting a job; it just didn't pay enough to support the three girls and herself. And so that's what that system's there for. So therefore, I don't. It's kind of like a Kickstarter. Right. I don't think that I didn't deserve it. Like I'm not the one that went to the grocery store and had designer clothes on. And was abusing the system. Like, our family literally needed it. We ate terribly canned soup until we got those food stamps. And then we were able to get some meat in the house. Luckily, the job that I got at 14 was in a pizza shop. My older sister also in a pizza shop. So, we had food. Like, we would bring food home. Is that why you were... When you were younger at that age, you were skinny? Yes. No. That's not why I was I don't skinny. Wanna... No. No, I was not. I was no, I'm always saying, skinny. Well, yeah, what was your body type back then? Were you skinny? I was always really thin. Like, but not because I didn't eat. It wasn't because of that. It was just I was always active. Like, I was wild. You didn't have a body image issue or nothing like that? Um, Not until I was probably 15. So, up to that point... I got a job at 14 to pay for my tuition and pay for anything that I needed. I was a freshman in high school when I was introduced to guys, boys. Um, I had the stigma of... 14? 14. Freshman? Yeah, I graduated early when I was 17. So at 14, I was my fre- it was my freshman year, and I remember that I had friends and at that time there were not that many black people at your Catholic. And so guess what? Kathy becomes friends with one. Probably most people don't know that, but my first boyfriend um, that I thought was my boyfriend and I'm sharing this was black. Um, And I had that stigma because I had my older sister's, friends mothers calling my family and they were not allowed to hang out with me because of the people that I was hanging out with and obviously I was young I didn't know any better but I can tell you to this day he was one of the nicest people that I was ever around and so I had that stigma even though we were just friends I mean I call him my boyfriend because I wrote his name all over my folders but we didn't really date date at that point. So This is news to me, fellas. Yeah. So I had, people listening. It's news for my whole family, except my intermediate family. So now my little sister can't hold this over my head anymore because I'm sharing it with the world. So I had that stigma. Was it a boyfriend girlfriend relationship at that time? Probably not. Just infatuation. I didn't know any better. Um What kind of 
I don't want to ask this, but in a different way, but what, what kind of people did you hang around? Like the jocks or. So as a, because f- me saying that is, that's basically saying stigma because you're actually, it's, it's really not because certain people see jocks a certain way. They, they attach different things so, to those, those names or those groups of people, you know what I mean? Right. So you always had the dr- the jocks, you had the the people that smoked in the bathroom which were known as the druggies. Then you had the goody two shoes back in the day, that's what they called them, the goody two shoes who did everything perfect, you know. I was kind of wild at that time. And I was kind of experimenting and I was up for any ty- type of challenge. So my friend base was probably different. Like I had different friends. I can tell you that I became friends with a girl who I'm still friends with today. Um, she won't mind me saying her name, but her name was Sue. Um, we just rekindled our friendship in the last couple months, but I hung out with Sue. Sue was a lot older than me, and she had a little boy, and I would babysit. So I would leave school, and I would go home. I didn't really associate too much with the people at school at that time. I would go home and I would spend a lot of time with her and her family. So her mom and dad treated me like a daughter. And so I felt comfortable there. And again, going back to my mom, when I would spend time at Sue's house, my mom would get jealous. Why don't you spend time here? Why are you always looking for somebody else to spend time with? So me and my mom at that time didn't really have a close relationship. So I went from playing Barbies and babies in my bedroom to hanging out with a a person, an older person who I would babysit for while she went out. And I just became the caretaker every Friday and Saturday night for her son. And I had ulterior motives behind that because she had a brother and he had friends. And so I liked that attention. You were just getting around. (laughs) Well, I just... At that time, I didn't think anything of it. But when I look back at it, I almost feel like I was just looking for attention, for acceptance. And so I hung around Sue. Um, because you, you, you say that because your parents never gave that attention to you. Right. So I never Even had your sisters it. never gave that attention to you? No. My sister, one of them, and I don't know to this day which one, they argue got, I got stabbed in the head with a lead pencil. By one of your sisters. Yes, I don't remember which one. So Vic, my older sister was embarrassed by me because here I was hanging out with with black people. I mean, she's not racist or prejudiced, but there was stigma back then. And I had my little sister who was younger who was reading books to my mom all the time. And so I didn't fit in with them. I fit in with my dad. I did some things with my dad, but... Then he had an issue with who I was hanging out with. So she so felt like you're always neglected by your family. Right. So that's why as soon as you found attention, you liked how it felt. Right. And so I probably did stupid things that I wouldn't do today, but it's part of who I am and why I am the way I am today. I, I hung out with Sue. Fortunately, at that point in time, I got a job at a pizza shop. And I worked the pizza shop. My older sister worked the pizza shop. My dad ended up working at the pizza shop. And I met your dad at the pizza shop. 
So that was the end of my freshman year of high school, probably, I would say, beginning of my sophomore year. I got a job at the pizza shop, and then that became my family. I met your dad. He was dating a couple of us at the same time in in the pizza shop. Um, We literally would fight in the refrigerated cooler on who was going to go out with him that weekend. Um, There's a big joke because a friend of mine bet me that I could not get with your dad, and that's how I met your dad, over a bet. So at that point, I met Dad, and and it's history. Like, I met Dad, then all of a sudden, he became my ride. Like, he would give me my rides back and forth to work. He became my everything. So at first, you did it as a bet, but then did he give you the attention that you were looking for? Is that why you kind of went? I don't even think he really gave me the attention because we were with other people during that time. So to me, dad, what was your motive? Like there had to be a motive. Well, there. I was, I was, it was a bet. And the reason the bet was there is because your dad was like this big jock at school. Like all the girls would want your dad. And I remember going into class one day and one of the real popular girls in my class said, Oh, guess what? I ran into Joe Kirshner jogging last night. And we were talking, and she was so excited, and her eyes were lit up that she was talking to him. And in my head, I'm thinking, well, that's crazy because he was with me last night. So people just idolized him. I mean, again, we were freshmen when they were seniors, so that, that's a big deal. So dad was popular. He had a lot of different girls. He was popular because he was, he was good at football. He was good in track. I mean, I, I always hear it from him all the time. Uh, his the greatest, best his best year in track was when he lifted weights, and he still holds records. He still to this day holds one or two records uh, York at, at York Catholic for his running. I think it's a relay or something like that. I don't know exactly what it is, but yes. And so he was popular. He, he, had he a would lot be, of he cool would be what you consider a a jock. What's your definition yeah. of a of a jock? Like he was popular he was into sports athletic he was athletic he had the big muscles he was nice looking every- was he good at school his education no <laughs> now you're stigmatizing there <laughs> but no he this wasn't. is what people think yeah this is, what, this is how that. people think but because they see a jock and they're like i mean even on movies you see it they're dumb i don't want to use that word they're dumb they're just not good at education they're not well not all of them some of them are right that's but- that's that's what stigma is. You're right. you're putting them all in a category based off of what you've seen in one person. You can't you can't do that. Well, if you want me to be honest, I didn't care if he was dumb or smart or stupid, whatever. Obviously, I you was were there looking for the, at his looks. The like, fame, basically. Yeah, I'm like, okay, these girls, these popular girls at school who think they're everything, stigma again, you know, they're dressed to the T. I didn't have that kind of clothes. I remember my dad said you can pick a pair of sneakers or a shirt, everything else is coming from Kmart. So, okay, I look cool in my shoes, but everything else was from Kmart. These girls had money. So I'm like, okay, now I have something that they want that they're, they would have never believed. If I would have looked at her that day and said, I date him, they never would have believed it because I didn't fit that criteria of somebody that would date someone like that. And so I never, I never said anything that day. I let that go. And when was this? Your sophomore year? This was like my sophomore year of high school. You're what, 85, 95 pounds? At that point, I was 
probably like 86, 87 pounds. So as a freshman, I gained weight. And then all of a sudden I had an eating disorder. So I was anorexic. I didn't eat. So when I first met your dad, it, it would be. Were you anorexic before? I became anorexic between probably my in the summer of my summer year. Um, it wasn't summer ever diagnosed. Year I mean, the, my year? freshman sophomore year. It wasn't ever diagnosed by the doctor, but I didn't eat. Did you ever make yourself throw up? No, that's not anorexia. I never made myself throw up, but I just didn't eat. Like, it would be days. And I remember when I first met Why? your dad. Like, what, was, what was the start of that? Why? Was it the girls that you saw around certain people or you just felt like you wanted to look like that and you had... I don't know why. I don't know why I had it. Obviously, something was lacking because I remember your dad saying to me, you need to eat. And I remember sometimes I would say, gosh, I don't think I ate for two days because I was losing weight at the time. Your dad was interested. You know, I started to feel better about myself, even though I got to that thin point, I couldn't stop. So when I you started felt better about weight, yourself because of the situations you were in with other like with dad, you were with dad. So that made you feel important. Right. So if if all those factors were canceled out, you probably would have never felt better about yourself. You probably would have never. I didn't do it in a healthy way. See what I'm saying? Yeah, I get what you're saying. All my entire childhood, when I think about, and I've been thinking about this before the podcast, basically I didn't have what I needed. And so I was looking for it. What, what would what would you consider that have, as things that you needed? That I you didn't weren't? have the love of a mother or a father. I spent a lot of time but by myself. But based off what? How did you know? How'd you know that's how a mother is supposed to act? Because or I saw friends who had the mother and the father relationships that I didn't have. It's not normal to spend every waking hour in your bedroom. I mean, you guys laugh at me and say I have OCD. Like growing up, you guys used to flip the pillow in the living room so that the pattern would go in two different directions. And I would just, out of habit, go in there and fix the pillow. And you could do it five or six times before it clicked in my head. Somebody's messing with me right now. And I did that growing up. I spent so much time in my room that I remember I rearranged the furniture in my room on a weekly basis. I literally washed and changed my curtains. I had two sets of curtains in my room every week. Like, I was a clean freak. Everything had to be where it was supposed to be. I literally would play Barbies. Did you clean them? Yes. <laughs> and, and play babies. <laughs> literally. And then I would go out. If you think about it, I was what? 14. I would go out with the guys. So you went from playing with Barbies to out with the guys. Yeah. So that's not normal. Did the guys know? <laughs> I went home and played Barbies. I didn't. You were 14? Yeah. Like, that was what I like to do. I don't know. It's weird. People are going to still think have I'm Barbies. I still have Barbies. I don't play with them. But my mom, Grammy, accidentally got rid of all my Barbies while I lived in Florida. How'd that go down? Uh, not so good because I'd be probably rich right now. I had every Barbie imaginable when I was growing up. So, anyway... That's what happened as a child. So how did I know that I it wasn't normal? That's not normal that you spend your entire time in your bedroom by yourself. When did you know that? 
later in life. I figured it out later. Like I figured out that I, I needed dad at that point. Like I needed the attention and I got the attention. And then all of a sudden that wasn't important anymore. Like being with him and his name, all of a sudden, like his name and his friends didn't matter to me anymore. Like it wasn't, I didn't feel like I was privileged to be with him anymore. I spent a lot of time with his friends. So now I'm a sophomore in high school and I'm hanging out with somebody. How old's he at this point? So I was at this point. When I, you met I, him, what, what, I was how 14 old was he? and he was 19 when we met. So he had a car. He was doing his thing. He had a job. He didn't go to school anymore. He was out of school. He graduated. So here I am at first thing. And this is pretty cool. Like my boyfriend's picking me up from school in a car and everybody knows him. And so we would go down the school parking lot and people were like, oh, Joe Kirshner's in the parking lot. Like it was sick. I know there's people out there right now in Redline <laughs> that are, are saying to themselves, I was the same, same way. Oh, absolutely. Same fucking way. It's the stigma. Like you want to be popular, but then all of a sudden I forgot about school. I forgot about friends. I, I didn't have friends at school. My friends were dad's friends. So dad was very possessive of me at that point. So all of a sudden, I always had to be with him. Like it would be me and five guys because he always would invite me. Five guys, burgers, and fries. (laughs) He would always invite me or always want me to be there. So obviously I stayed with your dad. Um, We worked together through high school. I continued to date dad we decided we were going to move to Florida when I graduated from high school. I forgot about that. So I'm 17 years old. The day after graduation, when everybody's going to senior week, I'm getting on a plane with a couple suitcases and I moved to Florida. Should have stayed down there. I'll be living down there right now. (laughs) You might not be here. So at the age of 17, I moved to Florida. Wait, I thought I was adopted. No, you were not adopted. I was maybe. No, I'm just kidding. I moved to Florida. Now I'm 17 and I'm in Florida. I'm living in an apartment. I'm living in an apartment with your dad. We were renting from a drug dealer that was on probation who I knew nothing about drugs at the time. So I guess that was my first introduction to drugs. And people say, how did you not know Kyle's on drugs? Well, here's an ironic story. We lived in this beautiful home right across the street from the beach. We lived on Singer Island in Florida. So it was an island. Very rich, like we had a nice pool in the backyard. We had a hot tub. Obviously, we were just living there because he had to work because he was on probation for drugs. And I remember walking across the street to the beach and a person coming up to us and seeing me, knowing that I just came out of a house of a drug dealer. At that point, I didn't understand any of it. And the guy says to me, do you know where I can get some Coke? And immediately I said, I think there's a 7-Eleven down the street. <laughs> and I said it innocently because I had no idea. <laughs> and when the guy walked away, your dad looked at me and said, you're lucky we just didn't get shot. And I'm like, what are you talking about? He said, that guy was not talking about Coca-Cola. And like, that's how innocent I was <laughs> and didn't know the first thing about drugs. So, so I can... So some people, when they, for for instance, you in your case, you were looking for attention. You found it a different way. 
some people resort to drugs because they right they like the uh how do i want to say this how they felt around certain people and the fact that they did drugs they felt a certain way like they were the coolest kids in the school well this goes back to tia i mean not tia dom's story yeah like, i remember hey, I'm dom saying ass. that he always thought yeah. he, this is the coolest thing you can do right so, so i didn't instead of, there yeah but you were never introduced to it i was never introduced to it i'm not gonna lie i smoked marijuana at that point i choked on it and I never touched it again because so it was not a good experience. experience. It was out of there. Tell me now at that point, I didn't know some tube. So this whole time, like, yeah, I smoke it out of this tube and they're like, oh, that's a bong. So I wasn't really introduced to that. Um, the people that we were with, even the, the guy that we lived with, like I remember him sitting at the dining room table with his friends. And I remember there was paraphernalia on the table and it never even dawned on me. Like, what are we doing in this house? Like, this is dangerous. Like I just, went around it, you know, went out the door, never tried it. They never offered it. And I never spoke about it. And basically we moved out of that house because his car got blown up. And that's when we're like, Whoa, like maybe we shouldn't live here. Like this guy is, there's some grand, grand Theft Auto is, shit. It's dangerous. Like he's really into this deep. And so we moved out of there. So I never chose drugs. Did I drink? Yes. Dad's friends got me drunk very easily because I was like 87 pounds and so I was the one that they picked on but most of the time your dad's friends were my friends I remember in Florida it was me and five guys living in a two-bedroom apartment like look at the stigma there what did the neighbors think here's this girl just slut this whore yeah living with five guys college guys from Penn State that we didn't even really know we met down there who worked at the same restaurant we worked at and we just so I became very independent at a young age I didn't have anybody taking care of me really from a really young age and so sometimes I think that's where I'm at today I feel the need to take care of people because I know what it's like to be in my room and nobody take care of me and so I learned at an early age that I wanted to help people so people don't feel that way. What's that? So people don't feel that way that you felt. Exactly. So I I take to those people. And it's okay. Um, I exist today and I'm doing fine. But I, I now understand why I feel the need to give to people. Because I don't know how to receive. And I started going to counseling a couple months ago. Um, and the lady said to me, and, and me and you and Dylan laughed because you are similar. You're very similar in this way. I don't know how to accept a gift. I fucking hate it. If somebody gives me a gift, I always say, you didn't have to do that. And my counselor says, why don't you ever just say thank you? Like, I'm the type of person that will go to a restaurant and always want to pay. I mean, it just happened with us the other night when we went to, to the restaurant with Dylan and Tori. Like, I always feel like I want to pay it's not a control thing. It's just I, I like to give, and I don't know how to receive. I don't know yeah, how to say thank you. Sometimes you fight me on that, and that night you didn't fight me on it. Because I'm learning. Like, it's okay to accept gifts. It's not a bad thing. And I don't look at if I take a gift, I'm weak or I'm a needy person. I just don't know how to express thank you because I never had it. And I'm not saying my mom and dad were terrible people. It was the situation that I was in. And so today, I'm that person who likes to give. Yeah, okay. So 
for instance, us growing up, I'm not really trying to talk about my story too much, but you guys always gave. Like we every Christmas yes. we had gifts. I remember having gifts every Christmas, like piled, like the living room, half of it would be basically filled up with different things. And so, and I can relate as far as I'm independent and I don't like receiving gifts either, but at that young age, yeah, that was fine. Like I didn't, I guess I just didn't understand or wasn't educated on, on gift. Like, I don't know. They, something switched in my mind apparently, but now I don't like receiving gifts and you know that because every Christmas I feel like we always make you cry because we're like you like don't even buy us stuff like I don't want it I, just the fact that we're all here in the same room is 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 enough like it's all about family it's not about spending money for for us you guys don't you don't understand that like, and, and now you're saying that you always wanted to give because you didn't want us to feel the way you felt Right, because I wanted to compensate for what I didn't have, so, and I'm still like that today. So why you grew up differently than we did? We were always given stuff, but I the the same outcome. I don't feel I don't I don't like giving. I don't like receiving gifts, and neither do you. But we both came from different background. We we grew up differently. You always gave, and your parents never gave. So tell me how that works. It's weird. I don't know. Something had to have switched in me to say, like, so you got I don't... my genes. I don't know. Because you and I are a lot alike. Since we've been doing these podcasts, we're finding so much similarities between the two of us. And when I started going to counseling and she started pointing things out to me, I was laughing because my kids are like that. So how do you break that cycle? So you're right. The, re- the living room was full. Before you and Dylan were born, Kyle had every toy. He didn't ask. We didn't go to the grocery store. We didn't go to the toy store. And Kyle didn't have to ask for anything because he had it. I bought it before he asked for it. I gave him everything. Yeah, but up to the point before he passed, it, he was all, he would always accept all the gifts. Yeah. And I'm pretty sure it was like a year or two before he passes, the years that I started saying, like, I don't need this stuff. Because most of the time it was like socks and like T-shirts and and like she thought she knew our style and she would buy certain clothes and it's like I, like that's not my style why are you buying me this shit and then you would feel bad for saying i want the receipt because you said you would keep all the receipts that'd be one of your phrases or before we would even open gifts guys i kept all the receipts so you can return this stuff you really think that we're gonna have the the urge to go up to you and be like well i don't like 70 percent of the gifts you gave me so go go through receipts i'm gonna return it because it's gonna make you feel like shit well, Kyle gave Kyle got the receipts every year. Yeah, I remember that. I mean, I remember him sitting on the sofa, and you would be like, "Yeah, I don't really need this," and he'd be like, "Oh, I'll take it." That like, was our way of saying, "Don't fucking buy me shit." Right? Is I don't need this. But that was our way of saying, "I don't fucking want gifts. I don't want this. I don't need it." If my my mentality is, if I want it, I'm gonna work for it and go buy it myself. The fact that you're someone's giving it to you, I feel no connection to it because I didn't work for that. You know what I'm saying? I get it. So for me to 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 go to a job to to work for my money and to pay for something that I want, there's more connection to that because I worked for that personally. So I guess it's the self satisfaction of me buying that with my own money and my my own work versus you giving me something based off of your childhood, basically giving me stuff that I I don't need you to give me because I can. Car. You took the car I gave you. What car? <laughs> I gave you Zola car. We had 
three Saturns parked out here in the driveway. Not once did you say, oh, I don't want that car because I didn't buy that. So you had selective choices on what gifts you would accept. I don't remember you giving me a car for Christmas. I didn't give it to you for Christmas, but I bought you a car. All three of you kids had cars. It was like a $1,500 car. <laughs> it doesn't matter. You accepted the gift. I'm just saying you have selective choice. I don't remember how we got the cars. I bought the cars. We went shopping for the cars. Kyle got the first one, the purple Saturn. You and Dylan got the blue Saturn. And then I turned around and bought the green Saturn. Which I wrecked the purple car and the green one. I told the green one. Yes. And then there's stories about the blue one. <laughs> yes. So you've accepted those gifts. But anyway, we're getting off topic. But now that today is why I do that. Because I always want to make sure everybody has. Before we move on, no fucking gifts this, this <laughs> Christmas. I already bought some. You got a fucking problem. <laughs> I know. I didn't buy a lot. Like, I used to buy a ton. Like me and Aunt Speaking Michelle of saying the shopping. word problem... I just learned that it's not a, you can look at it either as a problem or a possibility. Mine's a problem. What's the possibility part of mine? It could be possibilities of anything. Okay. So instead of looking at at certain situations as problems, look at it as a possibility. Are you going to learn from this? Possibility to learn something, a possibly to advance in my career, a possibility to. It's more of a have a better a, outcome. It's more of a negative versus a positive outcome okay. or an outlook on things. So it's possible you may like that Christmas present this year, and that would be a positive. <laughs> I'm you, just saying. <laughs> you still got a problem. Okay, it's a problem. Anyway. But anyway, so that kind of molded me to where I am today. I went to Florida. I moved back to Pennsylvania. Um, obviously, Dad and I got married. Because I got pregnant and we had 10 days to get married. So we would get health insurance for Kyle. And that was December 10th of 1988. Would you agree the generation back then, your generation, what generation are you? You're not baby boomers. I think dad's, dad's baby a boomer. Dad's a baby boomer. He's, he's the late baby boomer. Yes. Your generation what? I think it's Z or something. I don't know. Do you agree like the older generations, they believe in... I, I don't like using the word believe anymore, but they their lifestyle was to grow up, get married, have kids, work a job, and basically retire. Yes. Is that what you is that what you look for that in is, your life? That is the path that I was following, yes. So as soon as you so you had the the kid bef- you had Kyle, the kid. Kyle, before you got married. No, I was pregnant, got married, and had Kyle after I was married. But did, I got pregnant at any before. Point, any point when you got pregnant, did you think you had to get married just because you got pregnant? We, we didn't really think about marriage. I mean, we talked about marriage before I got pregnant, and then it was just... So he wasn't planned. Kyle wasn't Kyle planned. Kyle was not planned. We talked about getting married before Kyle, and then it just didn't work out. Like, we just weren't into it. We didn't think it was necessary. And then we only got married because we needed health insurance for Kyle. It sounds messed up. Austin's shaking his head right now. But literally, he went to work, told the secretary in the office that Kyle was going to be born. I didn't have health insurance at that point because we just got back here from Florida. 
I literally got a job and had to tell my employer. So I got hired at my job to replace someone that was pregnant. I literally had to tell them before she even got finished training me that now I was pregnant. So I had no health insurance. So dad and I had to get married to get you didn't, health you insurance. You didn't have to get married. Well, it would have been a financial burden had I not gotten married. And so we were eventually going to get married anyway. You got married for the financial benefit. Yes. You didn't get married because of well, of the word that, they, they could say, love. At that point, we were together for five years. So it wasn't like we just met, got pregnant, and got married. We were together for five years. We talked about marriage. I had an engagement ring at that point. We just weren't married. That's another thing I have different beliefs on. So it's we the were whole engaged. We just weren't married at that point. We got married. And you're right. We followed that role. We followed that role of we had kids. We raised our kids. And our kids were athletic. All three of you were athletic, thank God. Because I that was my life, if you think about it. You, you played guys, basketball. You didn't mention that. You played basketball when you were... In high school. No, I didn't play in high school. I gave up basketball for boys. I played basketball in elementary school through eighth grade. I was going to play in ninth grade, but I didn't. So, yes, I played basketball. So when my kids were all athletic, like, I loved that. You and Dylan started playing basketball, and I still to this day Kyle love was basketball. a baseball player. Kyle was baseball. I found that very boring. T-ball was very boring to me. Um I wasn't a big fan of baseball, but I was a fan of watching Kyle because he was a pitcher. So he was right there involved. He wasn't that person, you know, that didn't get to play. He was in the intense position where your fans beside you would say, that kid sucks, take him out. And you had to sit there as a parent and pray that he was going to have a good game. If I remember, he was usually the the closing pitcher. He would come in to close the game out. He would be put in intense situations. And so he liked that. He liked the thrill of that. And he didn't stress and he didn't care at that point what parents said, what coaches said. He just loved it. Like, you can see him smiling on the pitcher's mound. He never really got frustrated. He just kept throwing his curveball and laughing. So, so yeah, we were all athletic. All athletic. You we and got, obviously got it from our dad. Best, best year in track was when he lifted weights. Yeah, he'll, t- he'll tell you he was good at he, – he's, he'll tell you Kyle was great at baseball because he threw the ball in the yard. We really know that the neighbor when we lived in Dover threw a lot of balls with Kyle, um, was a great mentor for Kyle with baseball. You and Dylan started basketball in third grade. Second. Second. You did a little bit of the soccer program. So we did sports. We spent every weekend doing sports up until you guys were finished in high school. And even through high school, it was summer. It was year-round basketball. Like, that was our life, and that – that's what kept me going. Like, that was the life that you lived. You you spent time with your family. You raised your kids. And you did what you did. You worked. So Kyle wasn't planned, but you planned on having another kid. When was that? When Kyle was what? Kyle was three. What made you decide to have a kid? So it's really strange that you asked that question. We had one child. I didn't think I could love any other child as much as I love this child. And every parent, I'm pretty sure, goes through that when they're going to have their second child on the way to the hospital. I was like, how am I going to love these? And I knew it was twins. How am I going to love these two as much as I love Kyle? But you plan on having one, not two. So I didn't want, I just wanted Kyle. And dad wanted another one. Boy or girl. We didn't care. And the 
what convinced me to have another one was this is weird, but my stepmom had a son who passed away of leukemia. Your stepmom. My stepmom. So uh, my dad okay. my dad's wife had a son who passed away with leukemia. And that was hard. I didn't know him. I was living in Florida when all that happened. I, I that met was... him a couple times. But now I had a stepmom who was childless. And I always thought to myself, okay, I only want one. What would it be like if I lost him? I would not have any kids growing up. And it's weird that we talk about this now. So literally, I said to your dad, okay, we're going to have another one. And based, we, based off of that thought. Based off of that thought. Of what if we lost this one? What if I lose this one? Because I know my stepmom so, lost her son and wanted one so bad. And my dad was too old. How old did she old. lose his her son? He was like maybe four or five. Is that how old Kyle was? Four or five? Yes. But dad... Uh, my dad was older, a lot older than her. So she couldn't have another child with my dad. My dad was not able to have children. And so I always looked at her and she raised, you know, she was a great, you know, Graham. Like she loved you yeah, kids yeah, yeah. and she did everything for you kids. But I was always like, wow, I don't ever want to have to be that one that can't be a mom. And so we talked about it and we had got That's pregnant. That's crazy though. Yeah, but we got pregnant. And I remember when they told you had me another kid twins. because yes, you had the fear of losing Kyle and I being didn't. motherless. Yes. Not based off yes. of her situation. Yes. Because she talked about it. And so we had an we got pregnant. What was that again. conversation like when you guys talk about it? Just me and dad talked about it. like I was like, I only want so you one. Never talked I to never her talked about to her about it. She would just talk about, gosh, you know, I miss my son. And then I was like. And she would always say, like, I'm, I'm never going to have a, a child to grow up. And so, That is crazy. I didn't even so, know that. You, yes. And so I'm here and because dad, you had the fear of losing a, a child. Me and dad decided. Dad wanted another one. And I was like, I just can only love Kyle. And then all of a sudden I started to think, I don't want to be motherless growing up. Like, what if something would happen? And I didn't think terrible things. I mean... Craigie passed with leukemia, so we decided to have another one. And then I remember laying there when they told me I was having twins, and I bawled my eyeballs out, and I was like, no way. And then the doctor and dad were so excited about it, and I looked at your dad, and I said, neither one of us got what we wanted. I wanted one, and you wanted two, and we got three. So we were never, none of us were ever planned. If you, you look were, at it that way, you were no. planned. We we planned. I, I was planned. I was technically planned because of the fear. Yes. But I wasn't planned because you, you were the planned. Only reason, we knew what we were doing. Okay, but I'm saying like I wasn't like let's have another kid because Dad was like that, but you weren't. Well, I was like that after I convinced myself that I didn't want to be motherless and. I often think of that the day that Kyle passed away and I never shared this with anybody. I thought to myself, I could have been motherless. So now you, you would have, oh man, that's tough. You can't relate to Graham anymore at that point because she never had another kid. No, but she was great. Like she was great to you kids. And she lived, she raised and she babysat every chance she could. And she loved you, kids. 
because we were we were like her kids right because she was younger she didn't so get that she was more my age and so she didn't have that experience experience growing up and so she gave everything she could to to the, you kids like i can't say enough at how much she helped me especially when you two were born but i don't i don't remember I'm sorry, but I don't remember her. Like, I don't remember my childhood too much, but You're like I remember uh, grandpa and grandma, but I never remember being around. Like, when did we stop? I mean, I always remember going over Christmas time. We would always open up gifts there, too. Like, they babysat a lot when you were little. Oh, shit. Yeah, I do remember now. We well, used to we sleep in that spare bedroom, yes. and we would play on Pap's computer. Yes. We'd do NASCAR. Yeah, and Pap let you guys. <laughs> Not you, but we would, we would do like Kyle and and Chris and Zach, your older cousins were playing that Doom. Remember? Yeah, <laughs> he would let us play that. Pap was devastated when all that stuff came out about that those people playing Doom. I forget what the story was behind it, but it was he, like a it was like a devil looking dude that yeah. would. He I, was I think, devastated because something happened watching that. So yes. So they spent a lot of time with you. And so we Yeah, I do remember that now. When we talk about did we live a normal life? Like we got I got rid of all that stigma. We had the traditional family. We had the two cars. I worked part-time so I could participate. I was a school mom. I was on the recreation board. I was on the soccer program. Like I really became involved in all the sports that you kids were in. Everything that uh, quote a mother and father supposed to do. And so, yeah, I'm, st- so I'm we, still stuck on that whole thing about the fear of being motherless. Yeah. And people think that today. I mean, as I'm talking and you're sharing this story, people that just have one child, I'm not saying go out and have more. They have that thought but, problem across their head. But that thought crossed my head way back before you were even born. So 28 years ago, is when I decided I don't want to be motherless. It's ironic. And that's the first thing I thought, honest to God, when Carl passed away is thank God. Like, not thank God I have two more kids because, Kyle, you are not like Kyle. That would, I, that would be tough, though. But. Like, now you're saying that even if me and Dylan weren't here, that would be tough. Because your whole life, when you have a child, what do we talk about? What do people talk about in life when you have a baby? When they get older, I want them to be like this. When they get older, I want this or that. Well, sometimes they don't make it to be that yeah, old. Yeah, they don't always get that opportunity. And so your whole life, you spend waiting for that child to grow up. I can't wait for the first day in kindergarten. I can't wait till they graduate high school. I can't wait till they go to college. It's just this routine that people follow. I mean, I just watched a thing on my phone the other day that some guy a drunk driver came through an intersection while a car was turning left and hit the rear and killed this this kid he was only like three or four and the parents survived and that was their only child yep their kid was taken away from at a young age and it it wasn't in their hands to like a guy on a dui just totally annihilated the car split it in half and your life changes just as ours, even though I That's what I I'm have, saying. Like, that's crazy. So think of that on top of what we went through and what I went through and dad went through or any mother or father went through when they lose a child. When people come to you and they say, and this is what I learned because it happened to me. I had a person come to me at work and say, well, at least you have two more. 
What was your response? What was your thought at that point when they said so that? So when that person said to me, at least you have two more, I said to her, you have two children. Which one do you want to give up? What'd she say? She didn't know what to say. And I said, I'm not being mean to you. I'm teaching you something. It's not a choice. When you say something like that, at least you have two more. It doesn't discount the one because you love all your children. And when I said to her, which you have two children, which one are you willing to give up? And she looked at me. She said, I never thought about that. And I said, I'm not saying this to make you feel uncomfortable. I'm saying this because sometimes people don't realize what they're saying. You're trying to comfort somebody. But there's still that loss there. So imagine. I don't think she. Okay. She didn't mean it. Yeah. She just didn't and know what I to didn't, say. I didn't want to get smart with her. I wasn't trying to be an asshole about it. I was trying to help her so that in that situation again. Don't say that. Like you don't want to say that. Like because you don't want to give up one of your kids. And it just goes back to the stigma. It goes back to people that don't want to talk to you when you lose a child because they don't know what yeah, to say. I was say. just going to say, we talked about that a couple of times. You know, it all goes back to, to that. Like, what do I say to somebody? So our whole life up until, I mean, we went to work, everything was good. My kids were in sports. She's all graduated from high school. And we lived that American dream. We have a nice house. Would we you consider land. American dream? That's what in, in your eyes. In quotation marks, I'm doing quotation marks. That was the American dream. That is everybody basically everybody described. accepted. So that is what everybody wanted. That white picket fence around their house. Now, does everybody have issues inside their house? Absolutely. But do you share them? You don't share those. And so we didn't if you think about it, our family had nothing really tragic happen. We had there was that, events that, that happened right. outside of our family that right. that so may we, have impacted our family. Right. So we lost that we didn't know about. We lost Uncle Randy when he was young, and you kids were really very remember. young with Uncle Randy. We lost Grandma and Grandpa at a young age. I just got done telling my, the kids at work today. I have no grandparents. Right. I lost them all. We lost them at a young age, so, so we never grew up with grandparents. That's right. You remember them as young children. But Grandma and Grandpa Kirshner died early. My mom died. Six months later, Kyle died. And ten months later, my dad died. So I lost my whole family, my mom, my dad, and my son, within, what, a two-year time frame. And you remember Gina had the same thing with her family. So it happens. But until Kyle's event, in our immediate family, everything was going Everything appeared to be perfect, seemed normal. Uh, we're learning today that there was other struggles that some of us just held in and just because. Why do we hide it? Why do we show that we're struggling? Because of that stigma. We want everybody to think I'm this American family, I'm this family. And it happened when Kyle passed away, when went through the stigma of drug addiction. I'm trying to think back to before that happened, like what the what our lifestyle was like. You went to school. We worked. We went to sporting events. Yes. We did yard work. We cleaned. Like, we did what everybody's supposed to do. Did you feel like going, growing up, you always had to fit in? Or were you always the odd one out? Like, you always wanted, like, for instance, you sat by yourself at 
the the cafeteria lunch table or you uh you dress differently than everybody else or did you feel like you always had to fit in i never felt like i had to fit in if i felt like i had to fit in i wouldn't have chose the friend that i chose as a freshman because i knew when i made that decision that i probably wasn't going to fit in and to this day i don't care if i have to sit by myself you don't did you feel like you had to fit in just i never felt like i had to fit that. in that was just a popularity thing. That was just a young girl. I didn't use dad to fit in. I didn't fit in anywhere. He just became a person in my life. It was Not, a bet. Yeah. <laughs> it wasn't that I needed him because I was insecure. Because to this day, your dad thinks it's very strange that I will go to a restaurant and eat breakfast by myself. Like, he just thinks that's weird. I have no problem going anywhere by myself. I went to a basketball game and sat by myself. Like, I don't have a problem with that. Sometimes I go to parks by myself. It's not always safe to do things by yourself, but I never felt like I had to fit in. I never had to dress. And I'm still like that today. I don't have to fit in. I don't have to do things. And we talked about this. Like, I don't have to drink, socially drink with people when we go out. That's a whole nother topic. Yeah, I'm just saying, but but I don't have to fit in and I'm my own self and I don't judge people. And if people judge me, like it doesn't, does it hurt? It hurts everybody if somebody's judging you, but it doesn't affect my life to the point where I need to change me because people need to accept me. I changed for myself and that's, that's how I became the person that I am. Everybody says I'm strong. You know that. I can be strong, but you've seen my weaknesses too. Everybody's got weaknesses. And and you... I think the best thing is as long as you know what those weaknesses are. And you work on it. And and I have a lot of weaknesses. I've never went to counseling. I just started counseling. I talked about some on another podcast. Um, I struggled when Dylan got married. I went into a depression because I felt as though my family wasn't there. I mean, we took pictures. It took us, what, five minutes to get our pictures taken? And it took Tori's family like 45 minutes. I mean, they were using a golf cart to get Tori's family back and forth for pictures. And it was literally any picture that we had was me, you, dad, Dylan, and Tori. Like, that was our family. That was depressing to me. And you struggled a little bit with it yourself. Not, not so much the 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 picture-taking thing. Like, that. that's... Again, like I didn't have connection to those people that I call my grandparents. I didn't, I did, but I didn't know how I felt. Like I don't remember my emotions and how I emotionally attached my feelings to grandparents. Like I never felt a close relationship to those people. So and when the pictures came, it was like, yeah, Kyle wasn't there, but it wasn't like, I don't know. I don't remember thinking about like Kyle should be in this picture. I don't ever remember like, Pat Graham should be in this picture. I was just, I don't know. I just was there. That's that's it. Like for you, you were thinking about everybody that should have been there versus who was all there. Right. Me, I was just. I mean, yeah, it was it was crazy. Now that you're talking about it, as far as it was only f- four of us versus <laughs> she had like twenty, thirty people. Like you said, they have golf carts coming back and forth, like picking up these people and taking pictures and. We literally sat there because they wanted to do our pictures first because there was only so many of us. And you might said, no, go ahead. You guys do yours first. Do you think that made it worse? 
No, it wasn't necessarily the who was in the picture. It was standing there watching grandparent after grandparent thinking, okay, mom and dad should be there. Kathy and Oscar should be there. Like, Why, why, why do you feel like that? I why? felt like we were cheated out. Like you kids were cheated out of grandparents. But I don't see and it that I way. Was, you don't, but I did. And I was cheated out of my mom and my dad. And I know you go back to, well, you didn't really have that relationship. And we kind of skipped over some of it when we went right to when Kyle passed away because who did I take care of? My whole life I've been taking care of people. Like you said before, because you don't want them, not necessarily in these cases you're about to bring up, but you didn't want them to feel a certain way because you were lonely and you you were neglected growing up. So and you didn't I, want certain people to feel that way. And I like to help people. Like if I'm helping others, my counselor said I'm the most selfless person when Kyle passed away and the counselor told me, you got to be selfish, I don't know how to be selfish. To this day, I don't know how to be selfish. And I feel like the one time that I became selfish, I was punished. And we'll talk about that. And we'll talk about that. But just to go back quickly with Graham, Grammy, my mom, we didn't have a relationship growing up. But when she got sick and had kidney failure and needed to go to the doctor and the hospital... I took care of her. She lived with us for a while. I was the one that went to the emergency room all the time to take care of her. I took care of my dad's mother when he was living and she got old. I went to her house. I played Scrabble. I took care of my aunt who was shot in the head. I picked her up at a home and took her to my grandma's house. I'm always there to help people and that makes me feel better about myself. If I can help others, I don't do it for the praise. I don't brag about it. I did it to make myself feel like I was worth something and I can give to people. And that's how I live to this day. If someone needs something, I'm going to be there. And, and I give up for myself. I give up a lot for myself of myself to give to others. And that's my choice. So I've always been like that. I'm still like that today. And I don't know how to act when people give me things. It's it's scare, It's weird to admit right now. But as we're talking through this conversation, I don't know how to react when people are nice to me. And I have a lot of people that are nice to me. But if you think about all the times and my friends that are listening to this podcast, I mean, my girlfriend Sue sent a a comment on here and say, Kathy, you've always your entire life have done something for somebody else. And I will continue to do that. And I don't want to stop. Hence why this podcast is important to me. I feel like you lost, you lost or you lose yourself when you help all like other people your whole life. You don't know and who you are. Yeah. And that's what you just and said. You don't know how to accept and I struggle, I struggle with who I am today. Because you're lost in always giving and to other people. So that's why I struggle when I'm alone today. And that's why my depression got bad because... Yeah, but if you think about it, you were... When you were little, you played Barbies in your room by yourself. Because I didn't you know You were always by yourself. Yes. Hence why I'm in a situation right now. So you were by yourself. Then you you found a friend in high school. You met dad. You were with him for your, your whole life, basically. 
And then you said that you were always helping other people. Like, where did that, where did that come in? Like, what made you think I need to help people now? It's just, I get, I get a thrill out of helping people. I love to see people's reactions. Like I, because you just said you were neglected by your mom and your dad, and then you proceed to say that you need, you felt a need to help them. Why did you feel the need to help them? I don't know. I I just felt like I needed to help, and people, to this day, sometimes they think, you know what, your your mom and you didn't really have a relationship, but when she needed you most, you were there. I mean, and because yeah, that's, that's what family that's does. That's what family does, but I don't hold grudges, and I don't, you know, my mom made her decisions in life. She did the best she could raising us under her circumstances. My dad had his own circumstance. I can tell you, and I said this on another podcast, my grandmother, my my dad's mother said to me one day, I, I wish your dad would just once say, I love you to me, to his mother. And that really bothered her. And, you know, it was it was later in life that th- that my dad, Pap, said, I love you to me. And, like, that was my world. And so I spent my whole life, and I helped Pap when he got cancer. Me and Michelle, I mean, and my well, We went to Vegas. We went to Vegas because that's where he wanted to go before well, he passed away. Money. Yeah, no, I mean, broke. but we took a tour like we did Vegas with Pap. I remember going to Hershey. We alternated times taking my dad to Hershey. I learned more about my dad in the two months before he passed than I knew my whole life. Like, he shared with me how he loved us kids, and he started to share his feeling. He didn't know how to show his love to us growing up. And so and I that goes learned. back to his childhood. Yes, it's crazy how different our generations are changing based off of how your parents are teaching kids. Yes. It's so, insane to think about, but it's, it, I don't know. It's like he could have been neglected as well. He could have grew up not having the love and, and that's, that's what he learned growing up. So he felt like he didn't know how to express that to you because he didn't know what love was. He didn't know. He did. He had a sense of it, but well, he can't never. I speak on that because I don't know. That's what I'm saying. It's, it's, a, it's a thought that that these different generations of families that are growing, they're teaching their kids different things. Like now you got the millennials, which have stigma all around that. Yeah. My point. Yeah. My point is like in those two months that I drove to Hershey, I don't know, one or two times a week, depending on what the, the schedule was is when I learned about my dad, he, he didn't know how to love us growing up. He didn't know that feeling and he would say it in his last year or so when we would go to dinner every Friday night, I love you. After he said it that one time to me, then it became, I love you. And we had funny stories with Pap. I mean, even with his cancer, like even Aunt Michelle said, you know what? I, I finally got to learn about who my dad was before he passed. And so I'm, I'm never going to hold grudges. I don't hold grudges. I forgive people. I may not have people in my life. And it's weird since it's, and we're all over the place right now, but since this podcast. Yo, what's going on, guys? It's Austin here. A couple things real quick. We are going to do a part two of this episode to finish it up next week, Sunday, 7 a.m. Eastern time. So make sure you guys are there. 
tune in to listen to the rest of this episode. Uh, we, we love you guys. We appreciate your support following us on our journey, being a part of the community.